On this episode of How Do You Get Here, we talk with motivator, businesswoman, and life coach, Andrea Paulton. She's a very friendly, awesome lady, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Um, I came from Germany, mm-hmm. small town Allen, and okay. out of all the places we pick, my dad picks Los Angeles, California. Wow. <laughs> so we went from small town, my friends were farmers, to LA. So wow. it was quite, culture shock. quite a huge culture shock, yeah. yes. Yeah. So when you were younger, growing up in Germany, what was life like? I mean, were you like milking cows and like <laughs> r- running through like rolling hills? Yeah, exactly. My name was Heidi. And <laughs> no, um, actually, the town, I say it's a small town. It was 30,000 people. So okay. it was not a small town. Right. But uh, farming smaller com- than L.A. Yeah, <laughs> smaller than L.A. Farming communities were all around. Mm-hmm. So we did do that. I had friends that were on the farms and I play on the farms. Um, in general, though, it was just a very outdoor kind of community. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't play video games. We weren't in the house. We didn't watch TV. We had one television in the entire house, and it was in a room that was our TV room that we only watched Fridays and Saturdays as a family. Really? That's so it. everyone would get down and watch TV together. Yes. What, what Was it like German shows like Baywatch and stuff? You'd like watch <laughs> David Hasselhoff? Like. <laughs> No, and I don't understand the David Hasselhoff, Hasselhoff Germans, thing. Germans love David not, Hasselhoff. Not me. I don't get it. <laughs> but, um, no, we had three television stations in Germany. That's okay. it when I was growing up. And they were news or they were like TV shows. So we watched mm-hmm. a lot of Alfred Hitchcock kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and like game shows. That's, That's all it. I remember. But honestly, we ha- we preferred, you know, being outside, doing fun things, playing. Te- we play a lot of tennis. Okay. Of course, in Germany, you play soccer. Right. And then, you know, when we were kids, we were on our bikes all day long. That's it. That's it. Just played outside in the woods. Nice. On the c- in the cemetery, we played there a lot ah, too. Creepy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds like a um, a uh, what's a Stephen King? You oh know, like, yeah. It's like Germany. <laughs> Cemetery. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So dark. It's like creepy. <laughs> so what um what what were your parents like? I mean, just kind of like working at Germans? Yeah. So my parents, very different people. Mom and dad, totally different people. Mm-hmm. I am my dad all the way. Okay. The reason that we're probably sitting here is because of my dad. He um was a complete just free spirited, wanted to do different mm-hmm. things in life. And he told me later on when he was older, it would have been better if he wouldn't have gotten married and wouldn't have had us kids. You're like because mm. his life would have been more fulfilling. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> um so he always wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want to go anywhere. I don't care where. He just asked my mom to go to Japan, to China, to America. Mm-hmm. And she always would say, no, 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 no. And her excuse was her mother. Then okay. once my grandmother, her mother passed away, my dad said, okay, we're leaving. You get to choose China or America. And mm-hmm. so my mom said, all right, let's go to America. And she was really scared and nervous about it. And my yeah. dad was like, let's go. Right. And that's kind of the spirit I have where I'm always on the move. I want to yeah. do new things. I want to experience things and I want to have adventures. And that's how he was. Mm. And so we moved to America. Wow. Yeah. So did your parents speak the language or? Uh, a little bit. Did you have like family members here or no. other people that was like, oh, okay, we can. No, we had nobody here besides the company that asked my dad to come here. Okay. It was a German company. Okay. And they just said, hey, you know, we have a job for you here if you want to come. And I think I had at that point two years of English in school. Okay. And then my brother had like four or five and my mom had like a few years. Okay. But we we're just like, oh, we'll figure it out when we get yeah. there. 
And we did. And <laughs> were you excited as a kid or were you kind of nervous or scared or like... Oh, no, I was excited. Okay. McDonald's and <laughs> Disneyland. That's all you needed to tell like, me. I've seen the TV. <laughs> I've seen how Americans live. It's we had amazing. no McDonald's in Germany at the time, or at least in my town. Right. And that was really my most, my most. Um, I think that's all my parents said. Yeah, We're going to go to LA and there's going to be Disneyland and McDonald's. You're like, done. <laughs> I was like, in. <laughs> so how old were you at that point? I was 12. Okay, or I so was 11 when we first talked about it. Okay. And then when we moved here, I was 12. Okay. So you're like in middle school at that point. Yeah. And yeah. kind of going through an awkward phase. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of a... a sucky time to go to like a new school and have to make new friends like yes. how did you yes and it actually shaped me who i am today because mm. actually bad things happened when i moved to america yeah so in germany i was a little popular girl i had all the friends i already yeah. had boyfriends and you know like yeah. did my thing and moved to america and i had an accent but i looked american right so people were really thrown off because they'd see me and they'd be like oh hey, she's american and, and then, then i would like wunderbar <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was also wearing on my first day of school pink neon sh shorts with a yellow and green neon t-shirt. Okay. Yeah. So in Germany, kids were kids. In America, 12-year-olds were like 24-year-old like You're women. Right. So very different. So I got bullied quite a bit. And mm. I had to go in um, English as a second language classes. Okay. And I was a more minority there too because it was LA. So it was like 95% Hispanic. Yeah. And then the 5% was usually an Asian culture okay. and me. And I stuck out there. Yeah. And so it was really difficult to get acclimated and make friends because yeah. nobody really wanted to be friends with me because <laughs> like, I was wearing neon and I had an accent. That was in. I had, do you remember those hyper? Not, not a 12 in LA. It was not in, let me tell <laughs> do, you. Do you remember those hyper color shirts that you could like touch them and they would change color? Did you ever have those? No, and it was like we did not fluorescent. Have so it'd be like blue and then you could touch them and be like fluorescent green. See, I would so totally cool. wear that today. Oh yeah, it was awesome. I'm hyper kind of missing my neon. And then I had... The uh, MC Hammer pants. Did you ever have those? Oh, yeah. Cavarici like pants is oh, what we called them in LA. Cavarici. Yeah. So that was, that was the brand. Okay. Yeah. So I had some of those. I thought they were pretty cool. <laughs> Hammer pants. <laughs> yep. 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 Okay. So you're in school. Yes. You're an outcast everywhere you go. Totally an outcast. And I so did you what? Go home, like cry on your pillow every night? Oh, yeah. No, I actually, one of the teachers, I love her, Mrs. Jones, wherever you are. I love you. She was from Germany. And oh, so okay. she noticed that I was getting picked on. Mm -hmm. And it's really scary in a lake um, school to be alone on your breaks. And so yeah. <laughs> she'd like come, come sit with me. And so I would sit with her during lunch breaks mm. and stuff like that. But anyway, so what happened was I ended up finding these two other outcasts in my P class because PE sports the ESL and the Americans mixed. Okay. And so I had these two girls. They were always picked last with me. And keeping in mind, I'm an athlete. Right. And I was picked last just because I had an accent and I was an outsider. Not cool. Yeah, not cool. But the other two girls were also the, the outcasts, and they were both American. And I ended up being friends with them. Okay. And... Things went downhill even more from there. I don't know how deep you want to go into yeah. my sordid oh, past. I mean, as, as, as much as you want to share. <laughs> I'm actually really open about it. Okay. But we, yeah, yeah, I mean, because so at that point, did you, was it like kind of a rebellious thing then? You started no. hanging out with these rejects. No, so the like, rejects. A gang. <laughs> almost. You're actually almost there. So we had nothing to do. We didn't get invited yeah. to any parties. So we started driving around because that's what you do in LA. You cruise. And we started cruising and we saw this kid. 
I don't remember his name. Probably shouldn't say his name. He was um, tagging. He was spray okay. painting a wall. Banksy. And so it wasn't Banksy. <laughs> <laughs> and so we pulled over and we're like, hi, do you know of any parties? <laughs> because we serious? had to crash parties where people didn't know us. <laughs> no one invited us. So you yeah. just had to crash them. So we found some tagger. And he's like, well, actually, yeah, um, but I, I'm not done yet. And he didn't have a car. And we did. Oh, and he's wow. like, do you want to drive us, drive me around? So we drove him around. And I learned all about spray painting that night. And we became a little spray painting group. Are the you three serious? Of us. Yes, I was a horrible <laughs> kid. I was a tagger. <laughs> and it's kind of cool. So we started wearing, I would wear a hood. Of, I think like my all hood, black? No, no, no. I wore, we're girls. Okay. We don't wear Flo- all fluorescent black. still? No, no fluorescent. <laughs> I wore a dark green hood. I'm not going to say their names. So my this, other this is friend, high school at this point? Yeah. Like, um, so you kind of make it through. 16. Okay, yeah. So you make it through middle school. Okay. Yeah. You get to high school. You're still with kind of, you're still an outcast totally a little bit. Totally an outcast. Okay. And, yeah. and I mean, LA is such a huge place where it's kind of like, I'm sure when you, especially once you go to high school, it's like all these schools probably feed into one school. So it's like you're a new kid all of a sudden as yeah. your freshman year yeah, starts but over. I, instead of reinventing myself, I stuck with my friends. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm a people person. I'm a very loyal, loyal person. Yeah. So I stuck with my, I hate to say it, but reject friends like me. I was a reject. Yeah. <laughs> and so we just stayed together. Yeah. So anyway, so we were spray painting all the time. So I was my, my green hood. My friend was in a yellow hood and my friend was in a red hood. And then we had our hoods on. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we're in this alley spray painting. And all of a sudden we hear, I can't say it. Hold on. It's cussing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, what's up? Where are you from? Says, and we turn around and there's a gang, literally like gangsters <laughs> are standing behind us. And it was, it was a Hispanic gang. And they're like asking us where we're from. And so we turn around and there we are. One of us is black. One of, two of us are white. And we take our little hoodies off with these little girls. <laughs> and they're like, they start laughing. Like, they what? just start busting up. And they're like, what? <laughs> That's you guys. We keep seeing your spray paint all over town. And we thought you guys were a new serious? gang coming in. And we're all like, no, we just like to spray paint. <laughs> So, so then, do you live in fear a lot from like cops and <laughs> gang members? No, and no, stuff? no. I, I mean, I'm too stupid. Yeah. I don't think we noticed, you know. And so then we started hanging out with these kids, and yes, they're gangbangers. And so <laughs> I would have never ever guessed this. Where's I thought I told you this? No. Oh my gosh, I totally. I, <laughs> this makes this that much more exciting. Oh yeah. So we were so. so you're a little white German gangbanger in L.A. Not a gangbanger. <laughs> I just hung out with them, and so they started inviting us to parties. Hello, that's what I've been looking for for four years right, yeah. since moving to America. It's like, where is my party? So we started going to these gangster parties. And, you know, again, we stick out like a sore thumb because right. I never seem to fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, got in trouble quite a bit there. I, You know, we never did anything bad or illegal besides the spray painting. But people got shot. We went to funerals. Really? And it was, it was like a scary time. At that point, I started realizing, oh, this is kind of stupid. Yeah, this like, what do I want to do with my life? No, 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 not life. Just, like, maybe I should party with other people. <laughs> <laughs> More positive influence. <laughs> yeah. So did your parents have a clue at that point? I mean, no, would you come home? Like I had a separate set of clothing that I had outside the house that I would ch- change into. Yeah. And so my parents were so clueless. Being in Germany, we don't have that kind of thing. Right. And I only spoke to them in German. So when I spoke in English, I started doing little, like, curse words and little Spanish words here and there. And so people realized, okay, there's something wrong with her. She's obviously hanging out with 
with these kids, yeah. but my parents never knew. So wow. until I um, got pulled over and we got arrested and we were in jail. And <laughs> what did you get pulled over for? We actually didn't do anything. So just no. keep that in mind. Um, yeah. We had gangbangers on the car and they had done a drive by um, before us. And they, they asked us to pick them up and we didn't know why. We just thought we're going to go hang out oh and like go to a party. And so we got pulled over. It was, it was scary. It was, we got pulled over, helicopters and all. And then they took us in. Um, they, it wasn't arresting. Well, it was because we did, we did. They put us in the back of the car. But once they talked to us, they realized we had like we were so clueless, and we were right. just like, yeah, we're just driving around. <laughs> we just picked these guys up. Yeah, and then they put us in a room together, and I'm pretty sure it's one of those rooms that's recorded or like yeah. those white, those mirror ones. And they heard us talk about how dumb we are, and we're just like, oh, I wonder if they arrested us because we were, you know. We went over the red light or we had no seatbelts on, <laughs> you know. And meanwhile, like, there was no. a guy with a gun in our car. We had no idea. Wow. Yeah. And that's how my parents found out. Because they had to come bail you they out? Had to come, well, they wouldn't bail me. They basically just called and said, listen, we have your child here. Yeah. And she got in trouble, but she's okay. She didn't do anything. Go, go pick her up. So how old were you at this point? Uh, I think I was like 16, 17. Okay. Yeah. So then was there a point in high school or, or whatnot that you started to feel like all right, I got to think about college and maybe yeah. stop hanging around with yeah. the gangbangers <laughs> and going to crazy <laughs> parties and stuff like that. Yeah, it basically, there was a funeral that yeah. kind of all of a sudden was like, wait, this is no longer funny. This is no yeah. longer cool because you have somewhere to go on the weekends now. Yeah. But it really was. We were such outsiders. We never had friends. And then all of a sudden, we were invited to all these things and people at school would be like, oh, yeah, those are those girls that hang out with those scary guys so we can't like bully them anymore so it was one of those things where you know we we just had a better life being with these horrible kids um and we were not bullied anymore but then when we went to a funeral um somebody got shot we said this is stupid we need to get out of this and then i went to um, community college and after that really reinvented myself and just said, you know, I'm no longer going to be doing this. I'm not going to be hanging out with these kinds of kids. I'm just going to just be me. Hmm. And for some reason, you know, in college, in community college, um, I was 18. um, All of a sudden, my accent was sexy. And guys were like, hey, hey, you. Where are you from? Yeah. (laughs) So I had this little ugly duckling thing going on. And all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute. This is pretty cool. tension from the boys. (laughs) Yeah. And in high school, I used to lie and say my last name was Padilla so I could be more Hispanic. (laughs) And then all of a sudden. (laughs) Blue eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Blue eyes. (laughs) With an accent. Um, And then all of a sudden in college, I was going back into my roots and my Germanness and proud Mm -hmm. of it and was excited that, you know, I came from another country. This is, I've traveled a lot and I'm, you know, kind of a worldly person and it really worked in my favor all of a sudden again. Interesting. Yeah. So then when you were in college was, did you know what you wanted to do? I mean, when, at the end of no. high school, you, you were like, all right, I'm going to go to community college to kind of figure out what I want to do. And then. Yeah, I had no clue. In community college, I still was looking for parties. <laughs> I ended up um, looking at journalism and I think the reason I ended up looking at journalism is because of my move so it wasn't my passion it Mm -hmm. was more from um, my experience in my my life at the time Um, I wanted to do international news because I'm from Germany and I'm an international person and um, I wanted to do international news and so I said okay I'm just going to be a journalist 
and really excited about it. I wanted to be on TV. So yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. I can be like an anchor or something. <laughs> and um, chose that as a career at the time. I was, yeah. you know, I was 18. And um, so I went to study journalism. And at that point, I was ready to get, I was ready to leave LA. Yeah. And I was like, do I go back to, back to Germany? What do I do? And at the time, I was snowboarding a lot. I went up skiing and then I started snowboarding. Okay. And so I just said, you know what? Where can I go where there's actually snow? So again, it was about the party and about the snow. Yeah. It was not about my career yet. And I ended up going to see you Boulder. Okay. So that's how I landed in Colorado. Interesting. Yeah. And wow. Didn't care about my career as much at that time. I landed here when I was 20. Um, that's when I started thinking, okay, what will my life look like? Mm-hmm. What would it be like? And journalism just seemed like a good fit at the time. Yeah, if you're going to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was really good at it. I liked it. I, I was excited about it, um, enough excited about it. And so I started doing journalism and worked for the Columbine shooting. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and that was awful. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I actually had to interview somebody that um, lost their niece Mm. and the person started crying and he fell on the floor and I hugged him and I picked him up and um, the producer had said to me that I should never do that. I should leave them laying on the floor crying because it's better TV. Mm. And that's when my real like Andrea came out and my passion came out and I realized I'm such a people person and I want to lift people up Mm -hmm. and I want to help them and I want to coddle them if I have to, or I want to just push them up. And that wasn't the right fit for me. If someone's going to cry on me, I'm going to be hugging them. I'm going to be taking care of them. I'm going to try to lift them up. That's just who I am. And I realized like maybe this is not the right career for me because I'm not cutthroat. I'm not cut out to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. So then at that point, were your parents pretty do whatever you want, like with your life kind of thing? Like, hey, figure it out. I mean, how were they pretty involved or, or not? No. Really? It's kind of like they're working, trying to survive and yeah. you go off and, and do your thing. You know, my parents, we had a really interesting dynamic. So when I when we moved here, I was the only one that could speak English because I was the youngest. Mm-hmm. So I actually led the family. I okay. talked to lawyers like for the green cards and stuff. Yeah. I went shopping and I did all the translations. All the paperwork came to me. And so I was almost like the adult in the in the family unit mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, she can do whatever she, she's good. She'll figure it out. Yeah. And she's smart. She'll be whatever she wants to be. And so it was never led by my parents that way at all. It was right. always like, okay, what do I want to do? Okay. This is what I want to do. Yeah. So very interesting. Not a normal parents like shape the child. I right. really just shaped myself. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and kind of cool too. Yeah. So then you, you came to Colorado. You, once you realized journalism is not for you, then what, what, what was at yeah. that point like? What did you want to do? So I worked at a radio station okay. and I hated it. First of all, it was a three o'clock in the morning shift, so Ugh, very yeah. very bad. And um, the this, the company next door, love this man, another person that um, helped me in to uh, um, to be who I am today, Joe Pazello. He's still in Colorado. He owned um, Go Gaga. It was one of the first internet radio stations. And we started talking, and he had a marketing coordinator position open. And so I said, okay, I can do that. I've <laughs> never done any marketing in my life. Never hey, took a marketing course in you my know, life. you got to put yourself out there. <laughs> so I'm like, me, me. And um, he picked me. And so I became a marketing coordinator. And then I taught myself marketing. Wow. And so it was a complete career shift. Yeah. And um, I loved it. Um, it again, it wasn't my passion, right. but I liked it enough, and I liked it more than journalism, that I was like, okay, this is good. I like to be around 
people in a lot of the stuff back in the day in marketing, especially there was guerrilla marketing where I put stickers on cars. Mm -hmm. I um, talked to people online. I went out and just talked to people and it was all about people again. Right. Yeah, and that's my how my marketing career started. Wow. And so then when you got into marketing, were you thinking, oh, I'm going to climb to the top of some sort of corporate ladder or Yeah. or were you kind of like as things came your way, you just walked through those doors? Yeah, so I at that time still wasn't thinking about my future. It took me a long time to realize I'm going to live a long life and I should probably <laughs> think like, about no. my future. So at that time, it was just like, whatever, it was fun. And so the next job that came along, they had introduced website work. Okay. And I'm like, oh, I've never done that. I should do that. And so I just interviewed, and the interview was so easy. All the guy asked about was Germany, which soccer team I liked, and what I did on the weekends. And he didn't ask me a thing about marketing, and he gave me the job. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it was really easy to get this job. And that's when I learned my marketing. Mm -hmm. And incidentally found out what my passion was, but I didn't realize it at this job. Yeah. So this job, I'm a marketing, I think at this point I was um, a marketing manager and I managed for people for the first time, never done that before. And I loved it. I mm. loved it. And I didn't like managing as in like, you know, do this, do that. Right. I liked the leadership aspect of how can I help you? How can I grow you? Mm. How can I get you where you wanted to be? Yeah. And at that point I was in a cubicle and gotta love that cubicle love the cubicle world and all these people in the company started coming over to me this is a um, huge company transamerica so very big people started coming over to me and talking to me about hey i don't like my boss what do i do hey um i have a problem with this employee hey my boyfriend sucks what should i do he's cheating on me and these people started coming to me and asking me all these questions mm. and i was like wait this is this, I'm liking this. Yeah. And I ended up putting a chair in my cubicle so people could sit down. Later on, I learned that people would have conversations with each other and they would say, oh, I don't know what to do about this. And they would say, hey, go to Andrea. She has the crying chair in her cubicle. <laughs> nice. And so I had like the crying chair. No, unbeknownst to me, I had no idea that people were calling that. And they were coming over. And I noticed that uh, well, in hindsight, I noticed that I was spending more time with people yeah. and getting them to where they want to be than actually doing marketing. Right. And my, I did marketing because I had to get paid. Yeah. But that was what was fun for me. And yeah. never really realized it until later on in my life when I was like, okay, I love yeah, people. I want to help yeah. people. I want to be a life coach. That That's when I realized my whole career when I started in marketing has led to this. And I've already been doing this right. for 15 years, but I didn't really know I was doing it. Interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. So you kind of worked your way up yes. through different companies, doing marketing, director of marketing, all those other kind of things. Yes. And then you were always restless. Always restless. Right. It was always like you never felt completely satisfied or no. it was it was always looking on to the next thing and never being present. Yes. And yes. so at what at what point did you realize like, oh crap, I think I think I want to be a life coach. I think I want <laughs> It I'm, took me a while, yeah. Mark. It took me a while. <laughs> So my, my resume, um, if anybody wants to look at it, LinkedIn, it's kind of funny. Six months, seven months, eight months, six months. <laughs> I had one job where I lasted for three years. And guess what? It was for a nonprofit. 
And it was all about helping children and mm. animals, helping people, helping animals. Yeah. And that's the only reason I lasted. It wasn't the marketing job. It was that. And so, yeah, so I was kind of like, okay, what should my goal be? And at this point, I started realizing I'm going to live a long time. I need a goal. And I just wanted to like climb in marketing. Mm -hmm. And so I would work at a company and then I'd leave and get to a better job at a next company mm -hmm. and I'd succeed. And then I would leave again and get another better job. And I'd keep getting like better and bigger titles and more money. But after six months, man, every single time I was out, I was yeah. like, I don't like it. And the first six months was fun. I got to meet people. I got right. to talk to people. Yeah. And it became really apparent to me that this is not a career choice for me when I was picking the people and the staff over the brand and the company. Hmm. So, for example, I would have people come to me and say, hey, Andrea, I want to have a better job. I want to make more money or I want to change marketing. I don't like it anymore. And so my own staff was coming to me and asking me for career advice that had nothing to do with the company I was working at. Hmm. So I was managing these people out of the jobs. Right. And so obviously I was not a company man. I was completely <laughs> like, what do you need to do? And right. I would I would help with resumes. I would help with um, mm. how to do interviews. I would like try to f figure out their passion so they could move on. And they would leave the companies I was working for and I was really hmm. the best staff. You're like, you know, <laughs> I don't think this job is for you. I don't think it is. You're awesome. You're like the best staff person we have. You need to go somewhere better. And um, and that's when I was starting to realize, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ah, it's the people. It's the it's the coaching. Hmm. It's that. And I ended up, um, my father passed away three years ago hmm. and I ended up going to a life coach. And at that point, I didn't even know what a life coach was. I just had heard about it. A friend of mine went to one and I was going to a grief therapist after my dad died and I hated it. Oh, I hated therapy. I just, it did not work mm. for me at all. Interesting. I, I, I look ahead. I look in the future and I, I, I live in the now. I don't live in the past. So when yeah. they were asking me about my relationship with my dad when I was three, yeah, you're like, I'm out. Like, I, no, he died. That's all I care about. Like right, right. now, like I, how much, how do I get on from this? And so she had, um, told me to go to a life coach because therapists are awesome. When you have any kind of issues like depression, anxiety, you know, go to a therapist. I mean, my best friend's a therapist and she, I mean, they're awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome. I just didn't have that. Mm -hmm. All I wanted to do is work right now. How do I get from my grief to the next stage, which is to me was happy memories. That's all I wanted to do. How yeah. do I get there? And so I ended up working with a life coach and it turned out we ended up talking about my passions and why I'm working in marketing and why am I at, at someone else's company? Hmm. And she didn't get it. She's like, listen, from everything that I'm seeing yeah. and from the way that you are, it makes zero sense what you're doing. And so I told her my life story about people always coming to me asking for advice and, and what kind of questions people had for me. In my entire life, I was like that. My mm. mom said I wasn't like that in the sandbox. I would like mm. tell people like, hey, you're really good at shoveling. You should have the shovel. And you're good at hammering. You should have the hammer. And I would like pass out roles for people that they would excel at. Yeah. And um, so I didn't know. anyway, the life coach um, discovered that in me. And I... Well, I discovered it in myself with her help, right. I should say, because that's what life coaching is. Yeah. You don't advise people. You help them get to where they want to be on their own. And you really help them dive into their own thinking and their own patterns to realize what's more, what else can I do? What else is out there? Yeah. And so, yeah. So with her, I learned this is where my future is. It's the same thing that she's doing. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that life coaching and business coaching is the way to go. Um, yeah. And at that point I was like, Ooh, I'm in my forties. Like, is this okay to change careers right. again? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. I mean, yeah. um, you, you're in your forties, you have 
an established career. You're making good money. Yes. <laughs> and so I think a lot of people, they live in that space of fear, right? It's like, I'm not happy. I'm miserable, but I'm afraid to try something else or to do something different because of the security of the finances or, you know, the prestige or whatever it is. So what, what brought you to that point that you said, you know, I, I don't care about the money. I don't care about the prestige. I just want to do something that fulfills me that I can give back and be content and happy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So what, I mean, what, was that that you just kind of threw it out and said, all right, I'm doing this. I don't know if I've told you this, Mark. This might be a first, too. Yeah. Do you remember our conversation four years ago in front of an agency and we were standing mm. outside and you said to me, Andrea, money is not everything. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. That was one of the reasons. Hmm. You're one of the reasons that I wow. actually, that always stuck in my mind and that, I made money everything. My mm -hmm. whole thing about what makes me fulfilled at the time, I thought was the money and the title. And I always wanted a bigger title. It was the first thing I asked for. I'm like, what's the title going to be? Hmm. And then I would ask for the money. What's the money going to be? Yeah. And the more money I was making and the higher the titles that were going, the more unhappy I was. Hmm. And I always went back to that, you know, like money isn't everything. Money isn't everything. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard. It was a huge fear I had to overcome. And that was part of the life coaching. And once I started training myself, I started learning about that about me, that my way of significance and recognition of myself is money and title. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking like, what the heck is this? Why would I care about this so much? And then once I realized my thought was money and title, I started writing it down, old school, pen and paper, mm -hmm. start writing down like what that means to me, what, what a title means, what money means to me. And I started realizing it was all BS. Like completely BS. It was just dumb. I wanted people to see that I've come a long way. Mm -hmm. And Part of it, it is coming from Germany and, and I had to overcome a lot and I got praise for all the stuff that I did. So I had to keep making things up and getting bigger and making more money and bigger titles so I keep, keep getting that praise. Yeah. And that's when I started learning, like, I don't need outside praise. I need inside praise. I need it from me. I need to say to myself, hey, you rock. If you make zero dollars and you're helping five people a day, pff, you're done. You're good. Yeah. Like you don't need all that other jazz. Right. And so it was a really big fear thing. And I was making a lot of money when I quit my last marketing job and I did save. So I didn't just, you know, like bounce <laughs> immediately. Right. I wanted to bounce after six months. I ended up lasting for almost two years. <laughs> almost. My goal was two <laughs> years, but I think I bounced at one year and eight months. Yeah. But I did save money. And so mm -hmm. I did have that cushion because I, do, I don't ever advise people to like just you don't like your job, just leave because right. you do need money to survive. Yeah. You know, so I saved some money and I have a wonderful, wonderful husband um, who has his own career, um, you know, we're not loaded, <laughs> but we have enough that we can pay our mortgage and we can eat and we can do our thing. And so I said, you know what? Get over this fear. What's your passion? What's going to fulfill you? Because whatever fulfills me is going to help the people that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. If I'm happy and I can share my life, my light, then those people can see that there is another way. And mm -hmm. my whole thing is I, you're never stuck. You're never stuck. You never need to be where you're at. There's always more if you want it. There's mm -hmm. always more for the taking. Yeah. And yes, it might not be money and it might not be titles, but what fulfills you? 
And that's the thing. A lot of us, we just kind of like go to our day to day. We have our eight to five. We come home. We eat something, maybe in the, from the microwave. Then we watch TV. We go to bed. And then we do the same thing every single day. That to me is hell on earth. That yeah. is sad. And so I don't want to live like that. And I don't live like that. And I want to teach people like you don't. Here are some tools. This is how you get to your passion. This is how mm-hmm. you get to fulfill, have a fulfilling life. And this is how you get to be excited once again. Yeah. I mean, I can't even tell you how many people I have friend, uh, that I know that have, they're in their mid-40s, their early 50s, and they're like waiting to die. Hmm. They're sitting on the couch eating bonbons and getting <laughs> sick. And they're just, have right. the, there's nothing there. Why can't you find your passion at 80? Why can't you find your new hobby at 90? I mean, it's all out there for the taking. Just yeah. take it. Yeah, I think that's a very important thing because I, I feel like I, I run across a lot of people that, um, you know, they always think that, oh, if I have more money, I'll have more satisfaction. And and we all see the celebrities who kill themselves and, you know, the people who are drug addicts and alcoholics because they may have the fame and the money, but they're still miserable inside. Um and it's one of those things that I always like to remind people to say, just because you have more money does not mean that you're going to have more satisfaction. And and I think what happens to a lot of people, and I think this is why you see celebrities commit suicide and stuff, is because they get to where they think that they'll be satisfied and content and happy. And then they get there and they're like, oh, like... I'm still miserable inside. Yeah. And so a lot of times I just like to encourage people to say, hey, if if you're in this moment, if you're present and you can be content and happy, then I think if you seek more money and all those other things, that that will be added to, to you and you you can be content and happy. But I think exactly. if you if you can't be content and happy, even if you don't have all the money and all the fame, then I don't think that's really going to change anything. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's really, it's really sad because I think a lot of people, they base their happiness on some sort of future Mm -hmm. scenario, future life that they don't have yet. And so they can never be, be happy. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of a bummer because I think people are missing out on a lot of, of joy and experiences because they're living in some sort of idealistic future. Oh, yeah. And that's what one of the things that a lot of the clients that I talk to, that's the problem they have. There's two, it's twofold. It's exactly what you just said, the future. Oh, once I lose that weight, once I have that money, once I land that man. And then the other thing is it's external. Mm-hmm. The man, the, the fat loss, and the money. It has to be internal. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for outside help, to be happy, it's, it's, you're never going to be happy. Yeah. It has to be internal. You have to be able to be with yourself and feel good about yourself and give back to community, be with friends, have some kind of community going on to really be fulfilled. There's just so many things. There's one, one tool that I use a lot. It's the six human needs. Um, Tony Robbins, um, mm. in, I don't know if you invented it, but he's the one that teaches this. And we all need this. We all need significance. We all need variety. We all need certainty. We all also need uncertainty because sometimes it's excitement and things like that. And those four needs, most of us get one way or the other, in a bad way or in a good way. And then the two extra needs is love and connection and community. And Mm. those two things, a lot of us don't have. You can get community by volunteering. You can get community by going to church. You can get community by joining meetups. It's out there. 
Mm-hmm. Again, it's out there for the taking. You just we just don't do it. And then the love and connection, yes, it's a little bit harder. But if you love first, if it's your family, your friends, or you know a spouse, just give the love, and then you can get the connection back. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us are not looking at that. They are looking at the future for the money or the title or whatever else. And that's what I did in the past. And guess what? Just like you said, I never was happy. I actually got unhappier. Hmm. Um, similar to the celebrities. They get there and now they're in their billion dollar mansion and they look around and it's empty. Hmm. There's, there are no friends. Or they're paying for their friends. And that's why they are, there's so much unhappiness there. So you have to find it within yourself and that is really by living a fulfilled life, by knowing what your passions are and your values and living by them. Yeah. And I think finding the blessing even in the small things, you know, like practicing totally. gratitude I think is really huge. Yes. Because sometimes we get so caught up in the that future mindset in life that mm-hmm. we we forget about the things in our present right like simple things that can bring you happiness and joy like going on a hike or taking a warm shower or mm-hmm. the smell after a rain or you know there's like so many things that if you really broke them down you could say wow this is really fulfilling mm-hmm. and this brings me a lot of peace and contentment and joy and then the other thing i think when I was, when we were talking earlier about just the money too, one of the things that I've learned at least is that I've just been passionate about whatever I was doing mm-hmm. and the money seemed to come, yep. you know, yep. it's like I put myself into something. I was good to people around me and the money found its way to me, you know, it kind of, it's just worked out. Yeah. And so, you know, I always tell people, it's like, you know, I think when you live in a place of contentment and peace and happiness, that the world's going to see that Mm -hmm. and that's going to be attractive to them. You know, I always tell my kids, I say, you know, the majority of people you're going to be around your life are going to be negative and they're going to be complaining and miserable. So if you are the opposite of that, people are going to take notice of you because it'll be, you'll be so different from the rest of the world that people will want to be around you and they'll want to, you know, lift you up and, and help you be successful. Yeah. And that makes you feel good too as a person, right? So your kids, when they are that, that bright light, people are going to notice it and it's going to make them feel good and get, mm-hmm. give them more self-worth. I actually just got on a phone call with somebody the other day and she said, I've had such bad things happen the last couple of days. And she was listing all the bad things like we like to do. Mm-hmm. And she ended it with saying, I'm so glad that we get to be on a call. I have finally have something positive and I get to see your smiling face. It was a webinar. We get to, I get to see your smiling face and I get to actually feel uplifted in this call. Mm. And so it made me feel really good. Like, look, look at this. this. This woman is having a really tough time and I'm the one that's lifting her up. And it, it, that's payment enough right there. I don't, yeah. I don't need the check after that. But that is enough. But it is sad that we do complain first a lot of times Mm -hmm. and it's just this is bad this is bad well what what is good what is good and the people that can do that and say that and always find something good those are the happier people those Mm -hmm. are the people that are more fulfilled and again with what you were saying earlier with the mindful and being in the moment um huge i practice mindfulness all the time because i i love change and I love noon. I love growing. So I'm always, I'm already like writing a book right now in my head and I'm already like 10 steps ahead of the speaking engagement I want to do in five years. (laughs) So I try to get myself back and be like, no, this is the moment. Mm -hmm. This moment right here sitting with Mark is the coolest moment. You know, this is cool. Like, why am I thinking ahead of something else that may or may not come? I might not be here tomorrow, you know? Um, But it's just really enjoying and 
living to the fullest is really being in the mindful in mindfulness. And the gratitude is huge. Yeah. I have a gratitude journal. I, I write in it almost every day. It's my goal to really in 2019 to do it daily. Um, and I wake up and that's the first thing I do. Mm-hmm. I have like my coffee and I write in the gratitude journal. Like, what am I grateful for? And it's not big things like, you know, my husband, my house, mm-hmm. it's little Your things in my dogs. I love my dogs. <laughs> it's little things like, yeah. you know, I'm, I made my smile, my mom, mom smile yesterday. Hmm. Um, my niece has a great opportunity in the future, like things that are not about me a lot of times. And mm-hmm. it really it makes me happy and it makes me feel like, oh, this is cool. Life yeah. is cool. This is this is where it should be. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. When you kind of decided you want to be a life coach, did you yeah. just start doing a lot of research and oh, yeah. did you start figuring out, okay, what kind of certificates I need to take? And yes. and you were kind of working your day job and then also kind of a side hustle trying oh, yeah. to figure things out. So right when I first started, I was I had four jobs and that was because of that all the pursuit of money. Mm-hmm. And I was I was just that's all I was doing. Working, 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 TV, working, working. And it was just awful. And I was like, ooh, this is not going to work for me. So I started cutting off all these different jobs I had. And then when I decided on the life coaching that that is my passion, that's where I should be, and I want to help other people live a great life, um, I just started researching. And my life coach gave me advice too, right? So she told me that um, the school that she recommended for me was Robbins Madonna's. That's where Tony Robbins comes in. Mm -hmm. And um, I liked the school good but because i loved it so much i started listening to every single podcast reading every single blog Mm -hmm. researching the crap out of everything that has to do with life coaching business coaching career coaching health coaching relationship coach coaching and i found my own people and one of my heroes um her name um is brooke castillo she runs the life coach school and i signed up to um to be in that school there's a scholars program that i'm in and she is exactly the way i want to teach and the way i want to live my life and the way i want to help my clients and it hers is really about positivity Mm -hmm. but it's all about your thoughts every time you have a feeling there's a thought behind it you can change your reality by just tweaking a thought. That's all. Mm -hmm. And I love her and I love her style. And so that's been my biggest learnings. And what I started doing is practicing it on myself. I have for my clients now, I have worksheets and workbooks and actually I give them homework. It Mm. is, it is like a school in a way. I give them homework and I started doing this all by myself first just to really be the guinea pig. Does this work? How can I tweak it? From all the teachings I was getting from all these different schools, I kind of put it together for me and what I want and the co- the clients that do come to me are very similar to me where they're you know they're they have a good life but they just want it better yeah. they just want to have a little bit more excitement they want to just have a little bit more fulfillment and so they're just the ones that are seeking and wanting mm-hmm. and so that's my style anyways and so I started just looking at those kinds of teachings and um I started just tweaking it for myself the way that I know that would work for me and for my clients. And so I kind of just learned from a lot of these different teachers and just made it my own thing. Yeah. And it's working. That's awesome. (laughs) You should sign up. (laughs) (laughs) So when you first put yourself out there and somebody said, hey, I'd like to work with you. I mean, was, were you just like over the moon excited? (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, I I think I can do this now, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I started just kind of putting my feelers out because I was a little bit of a chicken instead of just saying, oh, I I was already going to life coaching schools and I was already getting my certification and learning, certifications and learning. And so I I didn't tell anybody. I just started like kind of 
poking my head in, a lot of people on LinkedIn, I would just write to them. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, so I'm thinking about doing this and that. And people would have such a great positive um, comeback. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, I want to sign up. Once you're ready, I want to be one of your clients. And I, I almost took a step back. I'd, I thought I was going to get more negativity or mm-hmm. more blah. Yeah. But I got so much excitement back that I was like, wait, pff, I can do this. This yeah. is perfect. And a few people did tell me, like, well, you've already been coaching me for the last 10 years. So, like, so are you asking for yeah, a payment? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, uh, do I owe you back pay? Yeah. <laughs> and so, again, people were using these words that I never thought about what I was doing for the last, you know, mm-hmm. my basically my entire life. I was coaching people and I didn't know, didn't know it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I had all this positive feedback. And then I said, you know, this is it. I'm just going to be put it out there to the world and be honest about the, what I'm doing because I've been working on this for years. Right. <laughs> or not, you know, a couple yeah. of years. And um, and so I felt really comfortable because I did, I did do the chicken way and just put my little toes in the water first. Right. But the and water so, was warm. Yeah, there you go. And now you're building a brand and you're yeah. building kind of an image of and a business of you know, who do you want to be and what kind of clients do you want to have and all those kind of things. So yeah. that's and, pretty awesome. And I'm still doing marketing coaching too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just because honestly, it's a little bit of fear. I'm still not ready to let that go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but teaching marketing is different than doing it. And I love the teaching and the coaching aspect of it. Yeah. So I'm still keeping that around. That might not be my future. I might go more into the life and business coaching, which is mostly career coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and the life, I just love life coaching because it is all about your personal life and how you can make that better just by communicating better with your spouse, by being more present with your children and those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I feel like that's the most fulfilled I most fulfillment I get and I think my clients see the biggest change in their life but the career coaching and the business coaching is so important because we do we all need to make money somehow yeah otherwise we can't you know live in our in our homes um so I do want to continue that as well yeah yeah so I have I have lots of plans Mark lots of plans that's so awesome what are uh some really good resources you know for people what are some things that you've listen to whether it's other podcasts or is it books or uh, do you have any things that stand out to you yeah they're like oh i really love this people should go check that out yeah so i mentioned earlier my latest obsession right is um is my is one of the teachers that i'm really interested in being more like her is brooke castillo she has Mm -hmm. a i think it's called the life coach podcast it's really really good definitely check that one out i listen to that daily um and then for more of the career business marketing. I really like Gary Vaynerchuk. He's totally in your face. Yeah. But he is, when you actually listen to him, his his message and spiel is kindness. Right. I don't hmm. a lot of people don't know that because yeah. they just hear him scream and they they kind of walk away. Right. But he talks about kindness all the time. So mm-hmm. on a business aspect, I really, really like him. Um, I do like Tony Robbins. I feel like he doesn't connect as well with younger women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's, he's more very masculine. He's very masculine. Mm-hmm. He's kind of cliche too. I feel like yes. this point. Yeah, he's a little cliche. And he's but, been around since but the his late 80s. Are oh, good. solid. And every single life coach I've ever worked with still takes his teachings. Yeah. So if you can get over that cliche Tony Robbins uh-huh. male, you know, whatever he has there, <laughs> um, I think he's great. And then um, I really listen to just a lot of different ones and um like minds my mind and love is another one that i listen to every now and then okay i'm i'm kind of all over the place but my 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 big one is brooke castillo so okay yeah i'll check her out i haven't heard of her but 
Yeah, she's like awesome. Do she, you, she does coach coaches, so it's a little bit different. Okay. You learn more about the models yeah. and the frameworks behind okay. it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. Do you know who Marie Forleo is? Love her. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know if I knew her before you, or if I knew her from you. I don't remember. Okay. But I love her. She's yeah. fantastic. She's and quirky and funny and mm-hmm. super encouraging. Yeah, and she, she, you can tell she's all from the heart, mm-hmm. and that's that makes a huge difference. And I think that's why she has such great following. Yeah. It's a little different because I feel like, you know, people like Tony Robbins, they say they're from the heart, but are they? They're more about their, themselves, it seems. But she's definitely like just give, 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 give. Yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Her videos are great. Do you have any mentors or anybody in your life who is kind of kind of encouraged you or were you somebody who really had to call a life coach and <laughs> <laughs> get I, some help from external sources. I had a marketing mentor, mm-hmm. Michael Blimes. He was, a, he was, a, he was my boss at the job that I stayed the longest, mm-hmm. of course. Nice. Right. Um, so a marketing mentor, but I never really had mentors. No, yeah. I never, I don't know why I never really seek them out. Um, no, it, nobody came to me naturally. Right. People always came to me and asked for advice. Yeah, you were always the mentor. <laughs> so I, I, I never really did that. I feel like now I'm looking at these people um, more like that, and I'm, yeah. I'm picking people out that I really like. Um, but I never had that growing up. I kind of just did my own thing how I wanted it. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> cool. What about um, some personal stuff? I'd like to you know yeah. hear like what kind of you know music do you like? What yeah. What kind of it's food do you like? really embarrassing. I love Justin Bieber. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is a safe place. I can't believe this I is said this place. out loud. I like Justin Bieber too. Okay. <laughs> I like pop music. So my music my music is not really good. I don't like to talk about it because it's <laughs> embarrassing. It's top 40. Um, but my personal, I am a nature lover. If you yeah. follow me anywhere on um, Instagram, I have two accounts there. My Andrea Paulton and my Weekend Eternal. Um You'll hear me talk about blue space and green mm-hmm. space all the time. That's what is blue space? Blue space is anything around water because okay. we know already from science and from research that when you're around water, um, a stream, it doesn't have to be the ocean, yeah. a stream, a river, something like that, it just calms you down, mm. calms your nerves down, and it gets you to a state of relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, even taking a shower or a bath, if you're not around any any yeah. water features. If you're like in New York. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and then green space. Um, so, so for me, that's anything outdoors, right? Hiking, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Um, I live by that. I Every day, I either hike, walk my dogs, or I drive in the mountains every single day. That's mm. my peace. That's my... I, d- I do meditation. Sometimes I'll park my car somewhere in the mountains and I'll meditate if it's cold or if it's warm, I'll hike and I'll mm-hmm. just sit down in the middle of a trail and I'll start meditating. Yeah. It's completely my thing. It's green space and blue space. Just love it. Need it. It's it's in my blood. I yeah. think I just have to have it. And I recommend it for everybody. <laughs> it reminds you of your days <laughs> of being Heidi in the hills. Of <laughs> Heidi in the hills. <laughs> of German, yeah, Germany. And, and then snowboarding in Boulder. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of okay. my my thing there, and then my life really revolves around friends, family, and my dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, and that's that love and connection and community. Yeah, and you know, I moved pre- pretty recently. I moved to, to a new city, new community, and yeah. um, I ended up landing in this great community. Um, and we immediately started making friends and have people over for for you know 
for tea ceremonies. I'm into tea. Nice. Tea ceremonies and wine. Um, and it's something that I didn't see. see I, I didn't really look for that much before. Mm-hmm. Um, I had friends all the time, but I never really looked for new people. Yeah. So that's been really interesting. It's been a new thing in my life the last two years where I've been literally putting myself out there and it's almost like dating again. And yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm Andrea. I don't know anybody here. Will you, you be my be friend? Friends? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's nice. been kind of a new experience. And yeah. um, I had to go past my fears for that one. Yeah. Putting yourself out there. Right. Because not everybody wants to be your friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it will end too, I think, this day and age with social media and people, mm-hmm. just their own little bubbles. They don't want to connect or whatever. You know, they just want their own space and want to be left alone. You know, yeah. but I feel like when when you really connect with other people and you put yourself out there, that's where the magic happens, you know, relationship. And and I even think and on a business aspect, you know, a lot of the business that comes my way is just through relationship. You know, it's all based off of, oh, I knew somebody who knew somebody who knew what I was doing and yeah. they hired me, you know. So I think you can't really grow if you don't build relationships oh exactly and and broaden your sphere yeah Um, and i have to say that does scare me i have five nieces and everything is done by texting behind a computer screen on social media and i do worry about that like what is what is it going to look like in 30 40 50 years oh god i sound old now but i do worry about it because it's so easy to just text somebody and then pick up the phone and call. Mm-hmm. It is so easy to to write something on social media and then you think you're connecting. But yeah. are you really? Um, right. I notice with a lot of younger people, eye contact is missing when you're yeah. talking. Yeah. Everybody's constantly looking down and texting. And that is something that I fear a little bit for the future. Yeah. Um, well, we've even seen a lot of in our community, the high school close to us, there's been a lot of suicides from high schoolers. Wow. And a lot of it links to them kind of living in this false reality of social media and thinking that they don't have as much as someone else or other groups of people. And so they feel miserable because all they're just seeing is other people's fake lives, you know? And so they don't feel like they have anything to live for. And it's like, well, no, actually that person is just putting on a persona of who they want you to think they are. And it's not really necessarily reality all the time. Oh yeah. It's a Photoshop life. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, yeah, it'll, it will be interesting to see what, our kids lives will be like yeah. because of, of that. And maybe it'll have a huge resurgence of human contact. I mean, I feel yeah. like we've kind of over the past several years have gone back to this artesian, yes. you know, people making things by hand and, yes. and um, craft beers and all this stuff. So there's a lot has, has gone back to an old way of doing things. And so maybe yeah. social media will die. And yeah, I don't, I don't think it's ever going to die, but, I'm thinking as a marketer here. <laughs> You're like, um, I don't know why I would <laughs> want it to die. <laughs> but Facebook, look at it. So my nieces yeah. are all, um, there's a couple that are on Facebook, but all the ones that are teenagers, none of them want to be on it. And mm. they, they say, A, it's old people, <laughs> but they also say it's negative. They all yeah. know that Facebook is negative. So they're choosing not to be on there and going instead on happy Instagram or Snapchat, which is more private with their friends. Mm-hmm. And they are choosing the better, quote unquote, better social media platforms because they've heard so they're self-selecting and so that is a good thing and i do feel the millennials and the younger folks they are very much more into inclusive they're more inclusive Mm -hmm. um there's not a lot of that the stigmas that we grew up with and i think that 
hopefully they can turn it around and and really do have like hey here's the happy platform we should all be on right you know and and they are you know i, I don't know if they're going to be meeting in person i think it might still be behind the screen for a while but um <laughs> it'll be like wally you know we'll all be in chairs yeah. just floating around <laughs> oh lord yes well that's that's awesome uh what about what what are some your hobbies hiking being out you yes. know your animals yeah family friends uh, what about food? Do you have any favorites? Yes, I love you know. Ethiopian food. Okay, Ethiopian love it. Is like, good. Just the spices and yeah. the aromas. Oh, it's just so good. Nice. And there's this one Ethiopian restaurant. I don't can't remember the name, but it's um, down south, Texanerish. It is so good. I, is I it? don't know the name of it. I'm okay. gonna have to. I'm gonna have to tell you another yeah. time. But it's everybody that's in there is Ethiopian. Hardly okay. anybody speaks English, so you know it's good. Yeah. It's just amazing. That's awesome. It. Yeah, yeah. No, no German dishes, huh? I hate German food. <laughs> I recently went <laughs> to a so friend's. Bland. I went to a friend's <laughs> house and we had this. Uh, she made this like purple cabbage dish. It was yes, like purple cabbage. My mom makes that. And then it was like thinly sliced meat that was rolled up with like onions and pickles or something. Holland? Yeah, is that what that is? Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, did you was, like it? Yeah, it was good. And then it had like kind of like these noodle things with a gravy on it or something. Yeah, but it very, yeah, it was very unique. Yeah, for you. <laughs> <laughs> I had that every single day growing up. <laughs> like I'd come home from school and, <laughs> and like, there it would be. There it is, the cabbage. <laughs> yeah, I, I have the anti-German diet is mm-hmm. what I like. Yeah. The spicier, if it makes me cry, the I better. love it. I love okay. sweating and crying while I eat. <laughs> nice. um, Indian food, Ethiopian food, really spicy Mexican food. So it's a bit the opposite yeah. from, from German food. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Listen, I really appreciate you coming on the show and I appreciate um, your time here and just sharing your story about, you know, where you came from and, um, you know, the things that you're into. So uh, I want you to kind of leave us with just maybe a positive message and then also uh, leave us with where we can connect with you and find you. And if someone hears this episode and wants to hire you, yeah, yeah. Like how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so my positive message to you is anything is possible. You can live a fulfilling life. You just have to work on it, and you will get there. And you can find me at andreapalton.com, A-N-D-R-E-A-P-A-L-T-E-N.com. Also on social media and Instagram under Andrea Palton. Just search me. You'll find me there. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and... Until next time, have a wonderful, blessed day.